He is everything that makes everything possible. God is my strength, my breath, my life, wisdom. God is love. God is peace. God is everything good. You cannot contain that. Hallelujah to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. probably don't know this song, but it's, uh, you should catch on pretty quick. It's pretty repetitive. And I want y'all to let this sink in. Just see what it means to you, you know, and really speak this to God and pray unto God this. God will hear from heaven. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you is my desire. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you is my desire. That's all there is to it. Sing to Jesus, oh Lord. Just to be close to you. Just to be close to you. Just to be close. Just to be close to you. My desire is my desire. Lord, I love you. I want to be close just to be.
I'm a huge fan of Chipper Jones. I am a huge fan of Chipper Jones. Anybody, anybody know who Chipper Jones is? Pretty much everybody, and if you don't, you should. Chipper Jones might be one of the greatest baseball players I have ever had the opportunity to be able to watch. On TV, in person, Chipper Jones is by far one of my favorite players of all time. I know Chipper Jones so well, man. I know all about him. I know all the stats. I know his 304 
lifetime batting average. I know it's 467 home runs that he's hit in his career. I know that he's hit uh, over 2,700 hits in his career. I know that he has over 1,600 RBIs and over 1,600 runs scored. He is by far one of the greatest third basemen to ever play the game. And not only that, he's one of the greatest switch hitters to ever play the game. Which means he can not only bat from the right side of the plate, but he can bat from the left. Man, he is a stud. Chipper Jones is in his last year as a professional baseball player. He came into the league in 1995. He, he was drafted as first overall in 1994. He played a little bit. In the minors, got a little bit of experience, came up in the championship. He got hurt first, but then he came up in the, in the playoffs of 2005 and helped the Braves win a championship. His first full season in 1996, he was a stud. He finished second place in the Rookie of the Year voting. He had over eight all-star appearances, two Silver Slugger awards, okay? He had a National League MVP in 1998. Ten years later, he had a National League batting title. All right, this guy is a stud. At 40 years old, he still is raking. Okay, he's still performing. He's still doing incredible. Chipper Jones is one of my favorite baseball players of all time, and I am a huge fan of Chipper Jones. I know all, all about him. I have memorabilia. I grew up with posters on my wall. I have a rookie uh, Chipper Jones rookie card. I have a, fa- uh, uh, a home run ball that he hit uh, that I caught in the stands. I mean, I have all this stuff. He is by far my favorite baseball player. I know everything there is to know about him pretty much, okay? I know about his lifestyle, how he's lived his life, some of the things he hasn't made the best choices on, but he's still one of the greatest baseball players to ever play, and I still respect the dude. He's got incredible talent, okay? I know all this stuff there is to know about Chipper Jones, Anybody else know about Chipper Jones? You know a little bit about him? Yeah. He's incredible. When it comes to baseball, he's incredible. Well, I hate to tell you that as much as I know all about him, know there, everything there is to know almost about his statistics and how he has a, over an 80% war average, which is wins above replacement. Okay, I know all this stuff there is to know about him, but I've never actually met the dude. I've never gotten a chance to actually know him. I know all about him. I know everything there is to know about this dude, right? But I've never actually gotten a chance to know him, to meet him, to get to know him, uh, to have you know somewhat of a, a, a relationship as far as a friendship. I, I've never really gotten a chance to know him like that. You're like, Brian, what are you talking about? Well, this is a perfect example of what we're leading into tonight. If you've been with us, we were, last week we kicked off our Not A Fan series. You saw the bumper video. If you haven't been here last week, that's okay. You're in the second week. It's a great place to jump off from, a great place to kick off and continue to go on with us. It's going to be an awesome, awesome series, okay? And here's why. we got all kinds of cool stuff planned out for you. But not only that, a lot of really cool, cool content that we're going to be giving you. And last week we had got an opportunity to look at, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? And I hope that this week, some of you guys last week who took hold of the bracelet, hopefully you wore it to school, hopefully you were able to shine a little bit of light to your friends, and they were like, hey, what is not a fan? Anybody have that experience? A lot of people, right? So you had an opportunity to not only express to them what not a fan is, but hopefully get a chance to explain to them that 
you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Anybody got that experience? It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Well, here's the cool part. We get a chance to keep going with that tonight. And here's, here's why I'm excited. Because we're talking about not just knowing about Jesus, but we're talking about knowing him. Actually knowing him. Actually having a relationship with him. I'm a big fan of Chipper Jones. And as I grew up, I had, like I said, I had stuff on my walls and posters and all that kind of stuff. Well, up next to the posters, I had like crosses and had tons of Bibles in my room. And one of the things that I also grew up a fan of was church, was Jesus. I grew up, man, I had an incredible, incredible childhood. My parents, man, they took me to church all the time. I had the benefit of growing up with an incredible set of godly parents, man. We were there every time the doors were open. Anybody know that experience? Like anytime there's an event, anytime that the doors were open, I mean, if the pastor was there to wash the windows on Tuesday, we were there to watch it. I mean, we were there all the time, it seemed like. So I grew up all around the church, all around the Bible, all around who Jesus was. I started to understand and learn who this dude was. Well, as I grew up, I did like Bible drill. Anybody do Bible drill? Yeah. I mean, if you, ha if you don't know what it is, then you know I'm going to school you at it. Uh, I was all kinds of really awesome at Bible drill. I was really good at Bible trivia. Anybody ever do like Bible trivia, vacation Bible school or anything like that? Yeah. See, we, I, I grew up where, man, I was, I was it. I knew all about them. I knew all the stats of the Bible, man. I knew everything there was to know. I knew all the Bible stories we had growing up. Man, I knew all kinds of stuff, man. I could flip to the Bible anywhere in Scripture. I memorized the entire set of books of the Bible. Hopefully you have too, just as a, as a good measure for learning the Bible. But man, I just, I knew everything there is to know. And I grew up with that same mentality of, man, I'm, I know all about the Bible. I know all about Jesus. All about him. Well, tonight we're going to look at just that. I want you to understand this statement. Don't mistake knowledge about Jesus for intimacy with Jesus. Don't mistake knowledge, knowing about who Jesus is, for intimacy with him. Who knows what intimacy is? Squires. Very close. Yeah. Very close relationship, very personal relationship. Okay? A lot of times you hear the word intimacy between a man and a woman, and we're going to talk about that a little later. But usually between a husband and a wife. Okay, that's, that's a pretty intimate relationship, right? Your parents... If you have a, both a mother and a father, they have probably an intimate relationship, right? And that's the kind of relationship Jesus is talking about. So we can know all kinds of things about Jesus, but listen to this. Don't mistake knowledge about Jesus for intimacy with Jesus, really knowing who he is, having a real relationship with him. I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. That's where we're going to land tonight. I think if you can parallel the way that I grew up and the way that I looked at Jesus, you could really parallel it pretty well with, uh, with the Pharisees. Anybody heard of the Pharisees? The Pharisees in the Bible were very legalistic. And what that means is they were very true to the law. They were very true to the book. And they followed the Bible word for word, step for step, never breaking a rule, that type thing. Okay, they were, they were rule followers. 
And they knew, they had studied from, from years, from the age they were birthed, for years, they studied the scriptures, okay, they studied the Bible, the Old Testament is what they had, they studied that, and they knew all about it, okay? And so, as we get into this, you'll understand a little bit more of what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 7. I want to tell you the story of what happens here, because it's, really, it's a really cool story. It's a really cool story. It's kind of sobering, a little bit humbling, but it's a really cool story. You ready? Y'all ready? Ready? All right, let's do it. Luke 7, 36 says this. One of the Pharisees, okay, we just talked about that. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, okay? Now, Jesus had just got done preaching. He had just got done preaching a sermon. And what happened was this Pharisee came up to him and invited him to his home to eat which was pretty customary in that day, right? And we're, we're in basically Middle Eastern time here, okay? So it was pretty customary in Jesus' time in the Middle East to, after somebody spoke, to invite him into their house, okay? Now listen to this. He asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. I'll explain the table in a minute. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Anybody catch that? Let's start right there. Jesus went after a sermon. He went to this dude's house. The thing that you have to understand about Pharisee, this Pharisee, Simon, or... Uh, he, he invited him to his house, and what happened was, is it was pretty customary in that day, but here's the thing. I'm getting the feeling from this passage that Simon didn't exactly really probably want Jesus there. He more or less invited him out of obligation, and you'll understand what I mean as we get through it, because one of the things that was kind of Middle Eastern etiquette, okay, which is, so to speak, like the customary thing that they would do is when you would enter somebody's house right? When they enter somebody's house, he would come in and they would kiss you on either the cheek or the hand, okay? And whichever one they did was, you know, it was a different stature or different, like, honor, okay, to kiss them on the cheek or on the hand. So when they came in, that was typically what happened. Jesus came in, it didn't happen, okay? Remember that. Also, a Middle Eastern etiquette was to, when they came in the house, was for your servant to go and wash their feet, okay? Middle Eastern time, they didn't really have shoes. If they had anything, they had sandals. So their feet were dirty, okay? They're walking through dust and dirt all day long, right? I mean, you think about when you're at camp and you're wearing sandals and you're walking through and you come through, man, I took my chocos off one day, I had like dirt lines, okay? Like that's the kind of thing that they like would do all day long. It's like they would walk and they would collect dirt and dust on their feet. Well, what happened was, when, they, when you're supposed to enter a house, one of the guys was supposed to come and wash, and wash your feet. And so you would have a servant go and wash their feet. Or if nothing else, you would give them a bowl of water and have them wash their own feet. They didn't do that for Jesus either. Okay? Remember that. Also, kind of a, an extra thing, another customary thing to do if there was a real honor or honored guest in the house is what they would do is they would anoint their head with oil. Okay? And they would put oil on their head. Uh, as kind of a special thing. And so they didn't do that for Jesus either. 
So Jesus came in to this dude's house, didn't get really any, any kind of treatment whatsoever, and it was kind of like he didn't even acknowledge that Jesus was there. He invited him over, just kind of out of duty or responsibility that he felt like he had to do, and then and when he came in, he didn't really even acknowledge him, okay? He didn't really give him anything. He didn't wash his feet. He didn't do any of that, okay? So that's where we pick up. So this woman, this, this woman who was essentially a prostitute is what Scripture says, Okay, she was a woman who was, had great sin, is what this says. Okay, and she came with a, it says what? A flask, an alabaster flask of ointment, which was to say that was perfume. Okay, so she had this flask of perfume around her neck, and she came, and she, and standing behind him, at his feet, she began weeping, okay? And the way Jesus was at this table, the way they would have it at these Middle Eastern tables, okay, check this out, they had these tables that were kind of on the floor, right? And so when you're, when you're hanging out, I came in, I washed my feet off. My feet probably stink, so sorry. And they, they came in, and they would recline at the table. The table would be right here, and they would just be eating and talking across the table, and their feet would be pointed away from the table, okay? So they're reclining, talking, having a good time, and their feet are reclined away from the table. Well, this woman comes in, and she begins to weep, Right? And she begins to weep, and she begins, her tears fall on Jesus' feet, right? Her tears begin to fall on Jesus' feet. She takes her hair, she takes her hair, her tears, number one, she didn't have any water or anything, begin to drop on his feet. She takes her hair and begins to wipe his feet with her hair. She didn't have a cloth, she didn't have anything, she took her hair, okay? Women, you think about taking your hair and wiping it on somebody's feet, sounds pretty gross, right? Man, you think about you think about what she did, what she, what she looked like to everybody in the room. Okay, okay. Say if say if my wife was to come and take her feet or her hair and wipe it on somebody's feet, everybody in the room would kind of be appalled, right? Right. So that's kind of the scenario. Everybody in the room is checking out back up here. Everybody in the room was was looking at and checking this chick out, and she was just crying and she was wiping her hair. Jesus' feet, and that's where we pick up. She began wiping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head, and she began to kiss his feet. So if it wasn't gross enough that she was wiping her hair on his feet, she began kissing his feet, the dirty feet that had been dragged through the, dragged through the day all day long through the dirt and the growth, yeah, all of it, and she began kissing his feet. Again, you think about what this woman looked like to everybody else that was in the room. Like, totally, like, just humbled herself, okay? Like, whole, just nothing else mattered, her and Jesus. She, she wiped his feet with her hair, and she began to kiss his feet. Remember, Jesus didn't receive any of this treatment when he came in. And this woman comes in, not even in her own house, and begins doing these things, and what happened is, then she took her flask of ointment and anointed his feet with that, with that perfume. All of it, okay? All of her life savings in this really expensive perfume poured out on Jesus' feet. It's crazy. She anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, remember that, he said to himself, okay, so he's talking to himself, He's thinking, and he says this. 
If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she is a sinner. Okay, so he's saying if, if this dude was really who he says he is, if he was really a prophet, he's a really important dude, then he would know the kind of woman that was like wiping her hair and kissing his feet. Like she was a prostitute. She was full of sin, okay? So he begins thinking this to himself. And what does Jesus do? He says, and Jesus answered him, okay? So a little bit of, you know, God's power right there. This dude's thinking to himself, or this dude's thinking to himself, and Jesus answers him in his thoughts and says to him, Simon, I have said, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Now listen to this story, okay? So Jesus is telling a story inside of our story. Ready? A certain money lender had two debtors, okay? So this guy who had lent out money had two guys that owed him that money, right? He had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of them both, okay? One 500, one 50. He canceled the debt of them both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt and said to him, and Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly, okay? So he's saying that these two guys owed you these two huge sums of money. One was 500 and one was only really 50, okay? And he says, the guy just said, your debt is, your debt is free. Now who's going to love him more? And he says, probably the dude with $500 because you just told him he didn't have to pay you, right? He's off the hook. So Jesus says, you have judged rightly. You have said it right. And what does he say after that? He says, then turning to the woman, okay? So he's looking at the woman from the table. He turns to the woman, and he says to Simon over here, he says, look at her. He says, do you see this woman? I have entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman who had essentially nothing, she was living a lifestyle of a prostitute, had much sin in her life, had come and her one focus was on her relationship with Jesus. She didn't care about anybody else in the room, okay? She didn't care what they thought about her wiping his feet with her hair or kissing his feet or anything like that. And Jesus, having come in, came in, excuse me, and, and have, having not had any of that stuff done to him when he came in, which was customary, this woman comes in and, and comes in and she does it, does it to Jesus and, and really sacrificing things that she had, like her perfume, her, I mean, herself, essentially, in front of all these people as an embarrassment. But she, she came in, not giving weight to anything like that. She didn't care about any of that. She came in 
humbled herself, sacrificed things in her own life, and came to pursue a relationship with Jesus. This one dude, you see the parallel here? This one dude who knew all about Jesus, I find it kind of ironic because this one dude who knew all about Jesus, Scripture says that this guy knew he had memorized the entire, or entire Bible, which at that time was the Old Testament. He had memorized the entire Old Testament by the age of 15. Is there anybody in here age 15? 14, 13, 12, right? All of you guys have three, two, and one years to memorize the entire Old Testament. It's a crazy thought, right? This dude had to memorize the entire Old Testament by the time he was 15 years old. He knew all the things there was to know, the prophecies about the Messiah, he knew everything there was to know about the scripture and about history and about the prophecies of Jesus and everything like that. But yet when it came to honestly assessing who Jesus was, it was ironic because Jesus was in the room. And he didn't do anything really for him. He knew all about Jesus. Okay, you see the parallel. This, this guy who knew everything there was to know about Jesus. And then this woman comes in. And she got to know Jesus. She built that relationship with Jesus. She came in and she sacrificed herself, her time, and everything that she did to pursue Jesus in that moment. Think about what she did. You catch that? Think about what she did. So my question to you tonight is who are you in the story? Who are you in the story? Now to continue a little bit more of my testimony, I grew up and I continued to kind of puff myself up thinking that I knew all about Jesus. I, I mean, I felt called to ministry, so I went off to Bible school, and man, for a, even a couple years in Bible school, man, I just continued to be a fan of Jesus. I continued to, to know all about him, but when it came down to really having a heart and a relationship and a desire to get to know him, I was void of it, man. And it took God really hitting me over the head and kicking me in the face to say, I want a relationship with you. I want to get to know you. Come and get to know me. Who are you in the story? Are you the Pharisee who has spent his entire life knowing everything there is to know probably about Jesus, but you don't really know him? You don't really have a relationship with him or are you the woman who's willing to sacrifice time energy effort money whatever it takes to go and pursue and and set your focus on jesus who are you in the story i think it's kind of cool that we talk about intimacy with jesus and we talk about the relationship between a man and a woman. And, and if you read the book, not a fan, this part's in there, and I really like it. The word new, okay, no, new, you know the, you know the translation there. The word new in the Old Testament, is, in the Hebrew, is translated into yada, okay? Yada, yada, yada. Pretty funny. Nobody's laughing. All right. The word new in the Old Testament is yada. Which means it, it, it says it's translated to be to complete to, to be completely known 
or to have known. And it's funny because in Genesis 4, when it's talking about the relationship, when he creates Adam and Eve, the relationship between Adam and Eve, it uses that word new. Adam knew Eve. That intimate relationship to completely know. And that, if that doesn't wake you up to understand, like that's the relationship that Christ wants to have with you. He wants to know you in and out. I think about the time when I was getting ready to marry my wife, and I think about after marrying her, how much we knew about each other, how much I knew her likes, her dislikes, what things she liked, what things she didn't like, what things really made her upset, what things really brought her joy, all these things in my life, and I really understand what it meant to know her. And that's the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with you, where you know everything about him. You know, you know all the stuff that there is to know about him, but guess what? You really know him. You really have a relationship with him. You want to get to know him. You see the parallel? It's really cool. Intimacy in Jesus brings about knowledge of Jesus. But knowledge of Jesus doesn't bring about intimacy with Jesus. Think about that. Intimacy with Jesus brings about knowledge. So having that relationship with him, having a relationship with Jesus, it'll bring about the knowledge of him. It'll bring about getting to know him and who he is. But just having the knowledge of Jesus, it's not going to bring about a relationship. You have to be intentional and pursue a right relationship with Jesus. Have I hounded it into your head enough? It's not about knowing Jesus. It's about getting to know him, knowing who he is, not just knowing about him. So that's where we're at tonight. And I want, I want it to just be a challenge for you guys. And I'm going to give you a time, just a, a couple minutes to respond. And I want it to be just kind of a short challenge for you that if you're like the Pharisee, if you've spent your life, which I did majority of my life, knowing him, knowing about him, knowing everything there was to know about him, but you didn't really know him, Man, start tonight. Don't wait until you're a sophomore in college, okay? Christ wants a relationship with you right now. Right now, all right? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done in our lives. God, thank you for who you are and what you've done. God, you came and you died on the cross for us so that we might have life again. We may have a relationship with you again. Thank you, Jesus. And God, I pray that we would have the boldness, have the passion, have the encouragement to want to pursue a right relationship with you so that we truly can be followers of you and not just fans. Not just somebody looking to celebrate you, but Father, and know all about you, but God, really get to know who you are. God, I pray that we all respond in a relationship with you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for our time together. God, I pray blessings on these students. And God, I pray as they go that they would come to understand who you are in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen up. Love you guys. Okay. 
love you more than you know. And I want you, if you, if you have any desire, okay, any desire tonight to want to make that, right, that relationship with Jesus right, come and talk to me. Come and talk to one of these other leaders. They're here to serve you. They're here to love on you, okay? 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 Okay. All right. Going to Dairy Queen here in a little bit. Hope to see you there. If you didn't get a Nada fan the bracelet, come and see me, okay? Last week, if you didn't get one, come and see me. All right? Love you guys. Go. Well, if I have any extras, I'll give it to you.